Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. Sup, kiddos. We have arrived at our final intro episode of the season and it is time to get down with Millenniagram 7s because y'all know the party has arrived. One of my favorite memories of 7s, and you will find this in the Millenniagram book due out May 7th, 2019, (laughs) shameless plug, um, is that I moved into an apartment with um, my friend Emily and this new girl, Annie, that we'd never met. (laughs) We showed up one day and Emily showed up early. Um, They took shots of tequila until they both passed out. Well, more to the point, Emily passed out at the party. Annie kept going because somehow she is gifted with um, the gift of longevity. The next morning, (laughs) we pulled into the parking lot, me and my dad, for the first time. I'm like showing up to the apartment, never met this girl before. And (laughs) there's nothing in the house. There's no furniture She has taken the Circle K coffee that she had not finished the night before, and she has dumped it into a frying pan (laughs) and is warming it up on the stove. And I was like, I I am in love. (laughs) Um, Sevens really are not bothered with anything. They kind of leave char they lead charmed lives because um, they just interpret life as being charmed, which is a really interesting way to look at it. Not sure I buy it, but love that for them. Um, We're going to get into it a little bit with one of my favorite sevens on the internet at crazy quantum on the internet. Can't wait to hear um, what you guys think of the episode, what my seven friends relate to, because I swear to God, I don't get what's going on in y'all's brains, but respect it. Love it for you. Um, Let's get into it. All right, motherfuckers, from the land of depression and PMS, I come to you now, Garbage Oprah, a.k.a. Hannah Posh, and we're going to have a good-ass time because I have a really good-ass guest. Their name is Ethan. What's up, Ethan? Hello. I am so (laughs) glad that you are here today with me. Well, I'm glad to be here with you. I hope I can be a ray of sunshine (laughs) over your dark clouds, friend. Thank you so much for existing. And just, I just like want to, I want to thank you for being a seven today because it's just like a (laughs) blessing to my life. Um, Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, your experience with the Enneagram. Give it to me. Sure. So I'm Ethan. Um, I am a sex educator. Uh, oh yeah. Specifically, I'm an HIV tester. Oh um, yes. Yes, uh, and I love it. Um, and I bring all my sevenness and excitement. Um, <laughs> you know, to my a very sex scary education. thing. Yeah. Um, which is wonderful because I work. Um, my partner in crime is a nine. Oh. So I always figure people have both options of both <laughs> They can be tested by Tigger or Winnie the Pooh, and <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We cover all the bases. Both you really do. really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I do. Um, I have an awesome Twitter. Uh, I have to tell you, though, unless you're in a very niche audience of people who are like <laughs> in the same television shows as me and... Uh, likes Enneagram 7 self-deprecating humor Mm. or is just like needs more queerness in their life um you can find me at crazy quantum um so there you go well everyone needs more queerness in their life so that means all of you motherfuckers yes you all need a beautiful rainbow (laughs) um so I kind of got into the Enneagram um like most sevens do when they get excited about something is I just dove into the deep end, right? Mm, of course, um, of course, of course. We don't like we either 
don't care or we're writing a PhD dissertation on the situation. <laughs> and there is nothing in between. No, there's not. There really is not. There really isn't. If you get us excited about something, like, we'll be like, oh, so I read everything on the topic in three days. Um, here is my, like, doctoral thesis on the subject. And if we aren't interested, we'll just be, like, off in la-la land as you talk to us about it. Or we'll just walk out. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, um, I heard what you guys said. It's okay about the, you know, millenniagram after dark. Oh, no. We're not going there, are we? Okay. No, no, no. Because you didn't say anything that wasn't true. Okay. <laughs> like, I am always the first to admit that, like, sevens um, are a little chaotic. Uh, hmm. And, I'm, and I, I think that's a good thing. But I understand that that's um, not everybody's favorite thing. And we are extra, right? Like, when we walk into a room, we suck the attention towards ourselves. And, Correct. you know, it is what it is. Like, uh, you joked about not ever being able to match a seven. Like, you can't. You oh, can't. no. I've, I've got, I've got, a, got solid a solid maybe 30 minutes of matching a seven's energy. And then it's just it's just an immediate downhill from there. Right. And then you're like, I need a nap. <laughs> I need a nap. I need a nap. I'm cranky and I hate this seven who is still somehow still five hours later, like rocking it. I get it. I get it. Like I was once at a party where I think that we all showed up at like 7 p.m. And my roommate was the seven that came with us and this was not like an overnight affair, and yet <laughs> the seven talked for so long, and you know, like to a dwindling number of people, to the point where the rest of us, her roommates, just all fell asleep on the couches because <laughs> we couldn't, we just couldn't hack it. I am the human embodiment of Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> and I accept that about myself. Um, now I do. So yeah, so I found the Enneagram. And um, honestly, one of the things that the first thing I came across with the Enneagram, um, the first thing everybody knows, well, maybe not everybody, but uh, there's a lot of crap online. Oh, God. Right? Yeah, a it's a mess. That just, that just aren't true or are really biased or um, there's just a lot of stuff. Uh, and so when I got into the Enneagram, I was really convinced I was a three and I was like, no, I'm a three because, you know, I've had like moments of leadership. <laughs> um, like one time they put me in charge of a thing and I didn't fuck it up. So I'm a three. <laughs> but I bet with your energy, you can also like command a room if you need to. Right, right. Um, I actually think, to be honest with you, that there's a lot in common between sevens and threes. I do too. I do too. Totally. I think we're, we're both storytellers. We can both command a room. Um, I think that we both inspire people in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot in common. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't totally off base with thinking I was a three, but I also think there was something deeper going on, which was that. You know, once you sort of reconcile the fact that you are the number you are, <laughs> it means that you you are who you are as a person, right? And the thing about sevens is is that we want to be all the numbers. We want oh. To be the um, you want to try everything on? Well, we want to try everything on. We want to be everything, right? Um, you know, you could ask me at the age of 30 what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm like, well, here's the 40 options I have, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just that we want the grass is always greener, right? We're always looking for the new thing. We're always trying to fit in somewhere. Um, but I really wanted to be a three, though, because to me, uh, a three meant if I was a three, I'd be normal. Um, and as someone who's like chronically ill and genderqueer and bisexual, and an atheist, like, there's already all of these things <laughs> that are quote-unquote not normal, and I thought, you know, if I'm a three, I could have, like, the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence, and, like, people would think I was inspiring and a leader, because no. when, I, when I looked online, and what I found about sevens is that we're flaky, we're messy, 
were dramatic and extra and stuff like that. There was nothing positive. Um, at least I didn't think. I mean, I've also heard a lot of things saying we were dumb because we were flaky. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> right, right. Because, you know, in our, in our culture, if someone's overly happy, they're untrustworthy and they're probably dumb. Right? Oh, like, God, yeah. yeah. We don't so trust joy, do we? No, we don't. Um, and I get that. I get that. But I, I found those things online and then I found like the three being like these like inspiring leaders and they're like smart and they're like, they got their shit together. They're successful. They're, they're, they're what as a culture we have decided success looks like Mm. is the three. Right. And so, because I wanted, I wanted to be that and I had to sort of, you know, I would literally like those stupid Enneagram quizzes, I would, like, take them over and over again, like, trying desperately to get a three. They're garbage they're anyway, garbage Ethan. They're, they're garbage. They're absolute garbage. Um, and now I know that. Now I know, like, you know innately who you are as a person. You don't need to take a quiz, right? Like, but I also think that misidentifying was a really, really important part of my Enneagram journey, right? I love this hot take. Please say more. Yes. Um, I think that misidentifying was important to me because it pointed out the difference between what I thought I wanted to be and what I really was. Mm. And to have to look in the mirror and say, this is who you really are, is kind of the first step to accepting who you actually are as a person. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And the fact that I so desperately wanted to be these things that I thought were normal um, or successful, you know, I had to look at myself and go, what is going on here? What is the lack of acceptance? Um, And is it okay that, yeah, sometimes I am flaky (laughs) and sometimes, sometimes I am messy and sometimes I'm chaotic uh, but are those things so bad that I shouldn't be who I actually am as a person? No. No, they're absolutely not. Right. And I, you know, would go into therapy and be like, can I just like be a different person? <laughs> can I be normal? And my therapist was finally like, why the hell would you want to be normal? Like, <laughs> like you're, it's okay to be extraordinary. Like that's okay. It's okay to Ooh. be unusual and it's okay to be unique. And that began my journey into sort of being like, hey, you know what? Yes, there's some, there's downsides to every single Enneagram, right? Right. Right. But if I can't take the first step into actually accepting who I am as a person, then I can't grow. Mm, Right. No, absolutely. Now, am I still jealous of threes? Of course. Um, (laughs) Just take the win, threes. Just take that one and run with it. it. I love you guys. You guys, like, are going to save the world. Remember the little people (laughs) when you're in charge. Drag us along with you. Exactly. Remember all those nice things I said about you? Wink, wink. Um, No, but I love them. Um... They're, they're going to be like the honeypots and the spies that are going to take care of the world, right? Like, it's great. Real talk. <laughs> right. So I finally sort of reconciled um, being a seven, uh, and I'm a seven wing six. Okay. Okay. Yes. So with that six wing, it's kind of my breaks. Um, <laughs> right. Like the, the, I always imagine sort of like, you know, it's kind of like the devil and an angel on your shoulder. Um, and sometimes it's my six is the angel going like, actually, like, I know you're really bored by the doctor, but like, go. Actually, actually maybe you should, maybe stay, you alive. should stay alive. Right. There's, there's Absolutely. a thought. Absolutely. Hey, man. <laughs> you can have more adventures if you live past 31. <laughs> Woo, right? Like. So logical. I know. I know. But it's definitely my like, but that doesn't mean, I mean, my six wing also makes me a little bit more anxious. Um, and a little bit more of a people pleaser than, like, your typical, like, seven wing eight. Mm, right. Um, who I love, but they are, like, the devil be damned, like. <laughs> like they are just full chaos. steam ahead at all times. I know that people have been joking about, um, you know, there's all this thing about, like, uh, typing Trump or whatever. Oh, and geez. then somebody was like, oh, we should type, like, God and Satan. And I was like, Satan's obviously a seven. Like. <laughs> 
He's straight up. The man loves knowledge. He loves chaos. He loves to fuck around know. with stuff, mix things up. Heavy metal, like, <laughs> rebel, absolutely seven wing eight, no doubt, right? Like, no doubt, love it. Um, that's amazing. But yeah, so that's kind of my seven wing six. Um, I'm self-preservation. Ooh, which, which is yeah, not like not the, like, it's not the typical, um, stereotype for sevens no no i think sevens are um stereotyped a lot of social you know liking to be in the big middle of a big crowd and yeah. I, love, yeah. I love that sometimes but that's not how i get my energy oh okay um, gotcha i'm a little you're right i'm a little more introverted so when i go home um i need a long time uh, sometimes I have to be dragged to the party and then I'm like thrown in and then, you know, everything's great, but like, I have to kind of be dragged there. Once you're there, once. you're happy and you're oh, making yeah. the rounds or whatnot. Yeah. 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 But it's like getting in the car and getting there sometimes I'm like, ugh. But I also think, I also think, so I have a chronic illness, um, which has, I deeply affected, I think, um, by Enneagram and. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think it really has affected it. Um, I think I definitely used to be more of a seven wing eight, um, much more in my youth, much more chaotic, much more risk taking. Um, and then I got sick and I sort of became, you know, it was like my six wing, like kept me alive. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. The self-preservation thing was a little more like you really do need downtime. You really do need to take care of yourself. Um, yeah, but absolutely being chronically ill and being a person with a disability has definitely affected my Enneagram. And I don't think in a bad way. I think actually in a really good way in some ways. So you think that you think that's sort of what has shaped like the wing that you lean into, particularly. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Okay. That yeah. makes a lot of sense because we tend. I think that I'd be really surprised if there was a person who only leaned into one their entire life. It seems to be a kind of a fluid thing. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to see how that has how that has affected how you approach the world and how you, um, yeah, how you interact with it. Right. Um, there's, I like to think that my six wing gives me a healthy level of anxiety that helps me to, <laughs> helps me to actually take care of myself, right? As opposed to sort of the devil be damned, like, I'm just going to go and be reckless and like, I know these things are bad for me, but I'm going to do them anyway. Full-blown hedonism. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about it, but I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> like, I'm cool with it. Um, so, yeah. Do you see, like, the thread of the thread of your sevenness, like, looking back at your childhood or, like, your young adulthood, can you, can you think of certain situations where it jumped out? You know, it's, it's hard for me because I had a really um, hard childhood and um, went through a lot of childhood trauma. Um, and I was disintegrated for my, almost my entire childhood. I would say almost right until when I went to undergrad. Um, so for a lot of my life, my value, at least when I was a student, was very much based on things like grades. Um, you know, which I think a lot of ones could relate to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, Absolutely. am I a good person is tied very much to like, did I get an A plus? Um, right. and an A or an A minus is a failure, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like an A minus is enough. Like that's not, that's not what we do. Um, and I spent most of my young adulthood like that. But as I got older, um, kind of the less fucks I gave, the more seven I became. Ooh, oh, love that for you. Yeah. yeah. Like once I sort of started realizing that those numerical grades, all of that stuff, that anxiety, that, that self-judgment stuff didn't work for me. Um, and as I, as I began to kind of discover the Enneagram, I thought about like, what were the moments in my youth where I was the happiest or I felt the most me? And it was those moments of like running to chemistry class and not caring about the fact that I was basically failing. Um, but just being excited to learn and being excited to be there and just being so curious about the world. Oh, yeah. And um, wanting to kind of know, like, everything. 
<laughs> you know, like, my partner is a five, and, like, I always think of his thinking as, like, he knows a lot on, like, a few topics. <laughs> Which is a very five thing, right? Oh, he's like, very oh, specialized, he's specialized. Yeah. yeah. He's very specialized in his, like, interest in learning. Whereas I'm like, I read like 15 articles today about totally different things, right? My Goodreads looks like I picked books at random, like of all the books. Do you retain um, that knowledge? Yes. Uh, if, if I have like a special interest, I could probably give you a briefing on the topic at least. Um... <laughs> I always joke with my friends that I, between being chronically ill and interested in medicine, I'd make a really great post-apocalyptic doctor <laughs> and not a very good pre-apocalyptic doctor. Like, I just stitch you up. Like, that's about it. Like <laughs> I'll keep you alive, but... Uh... Yeah, like, we're not doing any advanced medicine, but, you know, I know enough, right? That's so um, funny. Wow. Yeah. So what was it for you that was, like, the turning point that allowed you to stop giving less fucks? I, you know, I honestly think part of it was, um, part of it was coming out as genderqueer. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I came out as genderqueer probably when I was like 17 and like being surrounded, I went to an LGBTQ youth group and being surrounded by queer people, I just realized like, this this didn't matter like there were greater forces at work like there was like more for me to be fighting for than a's on a math test mm. um and also like it just it, it it like kind of in some ways made me an outcast i mean i was okay my family is actually like my coming out story is mad boring like <laughs> my family all been super accepting totally cool with it no big deal. And that's like 10 years ago. So that's like, Oh, that's, oh that's surprising. Way to go then. Surprising. I mean, the thing is though, I was raised by like atheists. Oh, um, right. Right. I forget. So not all of us were born in like born an, an evangelical, evangelical cult. cult. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Right. Um, although I think that I have to tell you, I think being raised by atheists is probably more unusual. It really is. It really is. Yeah, um, you know, and like we went to, my mom took us to a Methodist church, I think because she went to a Methodist church, but it was very tempered by sort of like, you don't really have to believe this. Um, we went to Hawaii when I was uh, very little, and I have, an, I have a couple older brothers, but one of my older brothers apparently went to our pastor and was just blathering on about pagan gods. <laughs> and... The pastor, like, approached my mom, and she he was like, I'm really concerned that your son's a pagan. And she's like, oh, that's great. Like, Good cool. for him. Go you. Like, that's awesome. Like, I'll get him a book. And the pastor's like, wait, no. Like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> like, you know, so we, we, I grew up surrounded by, you know, acceptance. Um, doesn't mean my childhood was easy. It just wasn't difficult in that regard. Yeah, right, so, right, right. Right. We all got our difficulties, but no. Um, so that was always a thing. I was always allowed to explore and learn. Um, but yeah, I think, I think in terms of like young adulthood, it was, it was being genderqueer, but I also think it was going to undergrad and like getting to take whatever classes I wanted to. And like that felt so liberating as a seven. Oh yeah. Um, Cause I could just explore at will. <laughs> Uh, and let me tell you, I was almost like, I am, a, I'm a social worker. So I basically took, I had an undergrad in human development and then got my master's degree in social work, but I almost ended up a comparative literature major. Oh, of course. Because I kept taking film classes, basically. <laughs> I was like, I love film classes. I love literature classes. And they're like, what's your major? I'm like, human development. And they're like, what are you? Why doing? are you why here? Are you? Yeah, like, why are you here? Right? That was always the question. And I was just like, because I love learning. It's so annoying um, how they make learning be strategic. Like, come on. Well, it was interesting, though, because I have taken a lot of those classes, um, you know, with comparative lit and film class and things like that, they all relate to the humanness. Um, and that's really what social workers do. We, we deal with humans um, and feelings and all this shit. So 
some of that really helped me. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, so seven go integrates to five, which I think is a really interesting direction. Um, how do you see that show up for you? Have you experienced it? Kind of sounds like you have. Um, what is, what is that, um, what does that, that particular journey look like for you? So when I was diagnosed, I have ulcerative colitis. And so I have ended up in the hospital multiple times in my life. Um, I was diagnosed though, like in my, like most people do in their mid twenties. Um, and the first time I ended up in the hospital, it was almost instant integration. Wow. Um, you know, I was really sick. Every time I've, I've ended up in the hospital, basically on death's door, it's like it's reset my integration to five because life suddenly stopped and suddenly I could no longer fill myself with shit to do. Um, seven sometimes find ourselves just filling our lives with stuff, just, just do, 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 and then you'll drop dead. And you'll never have to process, and you'll never have to think about it. Um, Fuck processing, am I right? Right. No, you just do things until you die. Like, that's, that's... <laughs> don't, ever, don't ever look up. Don't ever... Um, somebody commented uh, that they asked if you've ever eaten and uh, not even, like, tasted the food you're eating. And I'm like, absolutely. All the time. Um, <laughs> Sevens are not great at processing stuff. As I said, like, we try to fill the void with crap. Like, just constantly fill it. Because um, <laughs> if you never have to stop, you never have to think. Uh, so, suddenly, I became very aware of the fact that, frankly, I'm going to die someday. And that everyone's going to die. Right. All right. right. Um, and that life is sort of fleeting. And so, what my integration to five looked like is realizing that taking a moment to reflect and to think about, am I actually experiencing the things that I'm doing? You know, what is the point of getting your bucket list checked off if you've never actually experienced these things? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And like, like you can go and you can run around all day, like, but if you don't look up at the stars or feel the ocean against your feet, what the hell is the point? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever run into this whole, um, I've met a few sevens who they feel very strongly, but it seems like there may be a bit of a, um, a delayed processing where like a seven will come to me and tell me a story that happened several years ago that's still, um, and it's almost like they're processing it now, like like it happened now. Yeah. But it happened several years ago, and then and then all of a sudden they're coming to terms with it. Has that ever come up for you before? I, in some ways, I think yes. I think that if we don't, the the thing about sevens is, and um, I know we're going to talk about this a little later, but. It, refusing to process doesn't mean it's not going to get get processed at some point, right? <laughs> refusing to you're delaying the inevitable. You're delaying the inevitable and you are making it harder because five years from now when you're a sobbing mess because you've had five years of trauma and mm. you never dealt with any of it. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem, right? So you're yeah. just delaying the inevitable. Um, and I've, you know, when I when I feel the most integrated, I realize that like life is simple and beautiful and like it is what it is. And I think that's kind of the fiveness of slowing down, getting in depth, like feeling the depth of life as opposed to sort of checking things off a list or having fun stories to tell. Right. You actually have to experience it. Well, and I, <laughs> I have really tried to make this slogan happen, but it doesn't happen because all my fucking followers are pervs and they make it into a sex joke. But I always think for sevens, a really important question you can ask yourself is how can you go deep instead of wide today? And I understand why people turn it into a sex joke. Okay, I get it. I understand. But it seems like you have all of this passion and you have all of this um, attention and curiosity and excitement 
And when, when I see a seven integrating and pouring all of that energy into something that they really give a shit about, like that is the fucking sweet spot. It's beautiful when it happens. It really is. Um, and I've had moments of, of pouring myself into something. Um, like I said, you know, if, so I have, I love going on vacation. I love traveling, right? My instinct is to try to hit everywhere, right? Like to try (laughs) to hit, um, I love national parks. So we always go to national parks and I'll be like, well, like we, we have a week, like we could, we could visit like 30 places, right? (laughs) And my partner. Three national parks a day. I mean, come on. Right. My partner's like, okay, so we could like drive in and out of the park, but is that like what you want to do, right? Is that experiencing it or is that just getting there? Um, it's like, your life is not the amazing race. Like, you don't need to sort of, like, hit 50 <laughs> checkpoints. And then you're like, look, I did all this shit. And you're like, but you didn't. Right? You didn't You didn't actually do it. Um, I don't think it counts if you just sped through it. And, like, I know because that's my instinct. I've spent a lot of my life speeding through things. Mm. And, you know, as I get older and a little bit more self-aware and a little bit more well-integrated, I realize, like, visiting two parks and getting to, like, see everything in those parks is probably a better bet. Welcome to Dear Garbage Oprah, where I attempt to answer your questions from Twitter, Instagram, or wherever the hell else you find me. The supermarket. I don't give a fuck. Um, The question that I am answering today comes from Brenda at Montgomery Unit on Twitter. And the question is the most seven actual fucking question in existence. It is, how do I keep being my favorite by making sure I behave in ways that directly reflect who I want to be? I honestly think that Ethan answers this in their interview better than anybody possibly could. But I think channeling all of that impulsive, exciting seven energy into one of two ways. So I've seen sevens integrate to five and just like absolutely throw themselves into one particular like facet of things that they're interested in. So if that's engineering, it's engineering. If that's theater, it's theater. It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is the energy that you bring to it. And that is what makes seven stand out so much. So either throwing yourself into something that you want to garner the kind of expertise that will make you successful or make you Um, make your passions be centered in a particular way. The other way that I think that Ethan describes it, which is really cool, is that they mention using their seven energy to affect other people. Because you know that when you walk into a room, you can make the party revolve around you. And so for someone like Ethan, who's a sex educator and who, you know, is sometimes doing scary things in their life, like HIV testing, which can be a very tense moment, can be a very scary moment, for a lot of people bringing that energy to the table and being like hey yes this is totally scary but hey let's have fun while we're doing it and honestly here are your next next steps here's the way to keep thinking about the future to not get stuck in the fear of what the present is bringing to you so i think those are really two cool ways that you don't have to stifle your seven energy just siphon it or direct it focus it in some way and only you can know what that is for you. Um, it's not going to look like other people's lives. You are going to probably live a life that most other sad fucking humans will deem somehow um, strange, maybe somehow silly, maybe somehow irresponsible. Don't listen to those motherfuckers. You need to make you happy, but sometimes being flighty and not focusing your attentions on any one thing can keep you from happiness. So there's a balance to be struck there. Let's talk about it more on Twitter. Hit me up with what you think. I want to talk about um, the question that is so exciting to me and like one of one of, one of the things that I've been most excited to talk about having you on here because we have gone back and forth about it on Twitter. It's, whole, it's this whole idea of the manic pixie dream trope and I don't say girl because it can be someone of any gender, um, but t- 
talk to me about how that plays into the whole legend of the seven and um, what's helpful about it, what's harmful about it, and if there's a way to reframe it. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of sevens. And I find a lot of people tell me that. I don't know a lot of sevens. I don't know if that means we're rare. I don't know if it means we misidentify. <laughs> um, but or maybe of- you guys just... Are like oil and water to each other? Oh my God, no! Of course, I mean it's. I think we have a. I'm sorry, <laughs> Hannah. We have an agreement. We do not show up at the same party. Like <laughs> we group message. Like, nah, this one's mine, bitch. Like <laughs> that makes sense. It's very strategic of right. you. Um. So a lot of times, I think that when we see sevens, we see a lot of them in fiction. There are a lot of fictional sevens. Oh hell yeah. Um, and so one of the tropes, um, that I think exists about sevens, um, is this idea of the manic pixie, like, dream, dream seven, we'll call them. Yes. That'll be our gender neutral term, okay? (laughs) Um, and sort of the manic pixie dream seven being that person who, like, shows up magically, uh, to sort of save the day by teaching everyone how to live their lives. Um, Mm. and being quirky and cute and fun and, you know, we never learn anything about them, okay? We, as an audience, never get close enough to actually know who they are, but that's not the point. The purpose of um, their, their character is to teach someone else how to live or be happy or just be cute and quirky, whatever it is. Open their eyes to right. the beauty of life. Right. And it's and I always joke that it's always a four. Like All right, all right. We get it. Listen, it's just like this <laughs> I, I feel things, blah blah blah. And they're like, oh this person's cute and quirky and fun. Now I learned how to live, right? <laughs> I no, sevens and fours love each other, but it is like a moth to the flame. Okay? It I really don't know is. that it's a good thing. I don't um, I don't know either. I don't know if it's a good thing, but sh- we sure do love each other. Um, <laughs> but I think the interesting thing is that I I, I've heard a lot of like ex-evangelicals talk about how sort of the biblical definition of what a good woman is, is that she's a two. Right. And I would argue that the alternative pop culture version of the, the good feminine person is that they're a seven. Ooh. Like this feminine, this. quirky, adorable, cute, like... She never has problems, and she, like... Or if they are, they serve to make her more adorable. Right, and it's, it's all quirks. No yeah. real problems. It's just like, right, wow, right, she's right. kind of weird, but, like, that's cool, right? Um, and we never learn anything about her. Like, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I love that movie. Yes! But do you know anything about Ramona Flowers by the end of the movie? Other no. than that she likes boys in bands? No, you don't know <laughs> anything about her, right? Because this kid is freaking fixated on her, and yet he, he doesn't like... He doesn't, he doesn't seem to have any real interest in, like, who she is as a person. She's a good story to tell. Right? Like, she's an adventurer. Um, yeah. And and it's not... The thing is, we cast ourselves in this role. Ooh. It's not like anyone's imposing this from the outside, but we very often will, will cast ourselves as, like, the funny best friend. Or, like, you want to be seen that way. Yeah, we want to be seen as cute and quirky and um, all of this... All of these like really positive things because it keeps you away from us. Oh, it keeps you. It keeps you from like having to delve into your own yeah feelings and processing about right. stuff. Because we're not. Ew. I I tweeted um what's everybody's favorite fictional seven character and people said me like as in themselves as sevens. <laughs> um, right because. All sevens, it's a trick question. We're all fictional characters. (laughs) Okay? But yeah, because we don't... If you you step too close, you'll figure out we're a person. Well, you'll figure out that sometimes we get sad, and sometimes we're cranky and grumpy and all this shit, and we don't want you finding that out. So before you find that out, oftentimes we'll just leave. Ooh. We'll just ghost. 
Yeah. And that's why people think we're flaky because we, if you get like, if you get too close, we're just going to leave. Interesting. Is there, is there a way to, to, is there a way to supersede that or? You know, I, I think that we have to look for better. I mean, frankly, we, if we're going to emulate fiction, let's do, let's do better. Let's do better than the man. <laughs> um, I have, I actually listed some more realistic sevens, um, in fiction. Uh, and one of the first one right off the bat, people are getting it. And by the way, I don't really think you can, um, a fictional character is a fictional character. You can't really type you them. You can't really type them, but I would say these all have seven qualities. Okay. Okay, the first one, everyone's getting real mad at me, but Bojack Horseman. <laughs> He's a seven. He fills his life with self-medicating and partying, and he never has to deal with anything or process anything. And a lot for a lot of us, that's way closer to who we are as people, um, with all the flaws and all the nastiness, than the Manic Pixie Dream Queer. Okay? <laughs> oh, I love that. Right. Um, the next one I have uh, is Eleanor from The Good Place. And oh, say who, more. Right. For people who love The Good Place, um, she is definitely like a seven wing eight. A um, little bit rude, a little bit trampling on people. But when she gets into philosophy, she dives deep. Okay? That's true. She's got that whole like heavy eight wing agent of chaos business going on. Right. But she's like trying Um to be a good person and she's learning and she's excited about learning um and she's diving in deep because she actually is interested in the topic uh so that's i mean again a little bit more realistic but i think that if we're going to emulate a fictional character and we really want to make it a good one go for the doctor like why are you all fixated on the manic pixie dream girl when like a, a space alien arrives in your front yard in a blue box <laughs> demanding you go on adventures through time and space. I mean, like, how seven is that? Oh, you're talking Doctor Who. The Doctor, yes. The Doctor, obviously, Hannah. No, um, yes, wow, why have I never thought of this? Absolutely, and, like, is super excited about learning and is just, like, but it also has, like, some deeper feelings and fucks up and deals with it. But, yeah, very seven. Um, I think, I think we have to just look for more realistic examples of sevens, but I also think we have to deal with our own shit, frankly. Um, we got some. I'm just saying. Tell them, Ethan, tell them. I'm just saying, we gotta, like, start working on our feelings. <laughs> All right? The F word that no, every, every single seven just turned it off. They were like, oh, feelings. They're like, ah, uh, and we're done. Bye. And bye. Right. <laughs> this is already too long. They're um, like, vulgarity, hell no. um what does uh what does processing feelings look like for you or do you have any like secret hacks for the sevens out there who are like grinding their teeth in their skulls right now um i have a couple secret hacks um but the secret hack number one is go to therapy i mean i am sorry (laughs) listen therapy is like hell for a seven, okay? You have to go every week. It's a slow process, and you have to talk about your feelings for, like, an hour. Like, it's Oh, sound. Jesus. It's hard. Even for this four, I'm like, can you, okay, can we talk about someone else's? Let's talk about you. What's going on with you? Yeah, let's get on <laughs> you, right? You're like, I'm a messy bitch who loves drama. Got any? <laughs> Feed me. Feed me, right. Feed the beast. Um, yeah, no, working on feelings is hard, and it's hard work, and I think one of the problems a lot of sevens run into, and I've run into this too, is that we decide, we wake up one morning and we go, I'm dealing with my feelings today. And then we jump right to the deep end, but none of us know how to swim. Right. We drown. And then we're like, well, I'm never doing that shit again. That was horrible. Clearly that's not healthy anyway. I will avoid it for the next eight years until I wake up one morning and decide to do it again and do the same (laughs) mistake, right? Feelings, you, you have to go slow. Um, I started dealing with feelings, and this is going to sound ridiculous, I stopped reading spoilers, okay? Sevens are notorious for reading spoilers on everything, because we we don't want to feel sad or angry, or, like, we want to make sure, like, the character, are they going to live, are they going to die? We have to know, so that we don't have to, like, go through the messy 
feelings of experiencing that. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to like, you're trying to jump to the conclusion. Right. It's like, well, are they going to die? I better deal with it now. <laughs> like, Do you read the last wait. page in books? I, yeah, I would literally look up every spoiler on everything I read. No! Movies, all of it. I was like, I just, I was like, I have to know if someone dies. I have to know what's going to happen. I have to know if I'm going to be okay. Like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. So I stopped doing that. And I started letting myself, like, be nervous for a character or, like, be excited or um, be scared. And get spooked because I love horror movies. So I started letting myself do it. Just feel how we're going to feel. It's safe. That's a really safe way to start. Um, a yeah. lot of sevens do that. They start with like, I'm going to listen to sad music because I know at the end of it, like, it'll be okay. Um, but here's another hack that not a lot of people have thought of. Okay. Um, I'm a big Give it fan. to me. I'm a big fan of role-playing games. Oh, um, and Sounds kinky, but right, go on. Right. It's going to sound kinkier. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, D&D. And it sounds kind of crazy, but you get to sort of practice feeling how a character would feel in a way that's safe. Um, Ooh. So you can, you got to practice it. This isn't something that's just going to happen naturally. I think feelings, we have to build sort of a pain tolerance because it is painful for us. Um Feelings are not fun for sevens. They're fun for other numbers. I don't. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> I'm like, why would you want to feel sad? Like, what is going on? I, oh, and I'm over here like drowning in it. Right, you're over here like put on Depeche mode again. <laughs> uh, right? No, I and I'm like, if you enjoy it, go for it. But as a seven, feelings are painful. Um, and they're not, they're not fun for us. The amount of times I've gone into my therapist session or my therapy session and said, like, can I stop feeling jealous? Can I stop feeling angry? (laughs) Um, if you handed a seven, like those emotion charts and were like, black out the ones you never want to feel, it would look like (laughs) Pac-Man. Like if we could just get rid of the range of human emotions, that would be cool. but, but the problem is we don't do it in a way like a five does. Like, I genuinely believe my partner doesn't have this, like, hurricane living inside of him. Mm. Sevens do. And we just don't deal with it. Um, we have all these emotions inside of us. And they're going to come out one way or another. And you can keep suppressing them or you can deal with them. And as I said, like, my hack, therapy. Like, I'm sorry, it sucks. <laughs> it's not, I know, everybody probably It's everybody's me. emotions hack. Spoiler alert, everyone needs it. It's true, but just practicing, um, letting yourself feel things in a way that's safe. But the other thing I want to say about, like, feelings is that a lot of sevens, especially sevens with trauma, have learned this as an adaptation. Ooh, yeah, right? for they sure. Learned, there are reasons that you have learned to put away your feelings, and... You know, honor that. Honor that that was a tool that at some point in your life really worked for you and kept you safe, but that you don't need that tool anymore and that there are better tools. Ooh, that's really good. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned before that you're a social worker and um, a I sex am. educator. I am. And I would love to know, like, how does that play out for you as a seven? What energy do you bring um, to your workplace, to your work? Um, because I think like kind of the point of millenniagram in general is obviously like I want us to make fun of ourselves, but also like we live in some really shitty, terrifying times. And I think a lot of us millennials, queers, um, Gen X, Gen Z, like all of us are trying to figure out, you know, what can we do um, to, uh, what can we do to help in the world being an apocalyptic hellscape um, while still maintaining our own health and, you know, not developing savior complexes. So um, I would love to see, I would love to hear a little bit about how that works for you. Okay. So in terms of social work, I think that one thing that sevens have a real big strength in is 
connecting to people quickly, right? When I have somebody who I'm going to spend the next maybe 15 minutes with and who is waiting for me to tell them if they have HIV or not. Oh, God, yeah. That's heavy. Um, It is. And so the ability to instantly connect, uh, I think, puts people at ease. I also have, like most sevens, a very future-oriented mindset. And so people come in and they talk a lot about the things they've done. And I try to focus energy on the things they're going to do, right? We're here now, right? Those things happened, and yes, they matter. But we're here now looking to the future. And the things that are going to change and be better for you. Interesting. Um, So I think those two things are a strength. And honestly, like, who doesn't want to hear about, like oral sex and herpes from someone who's like a manic pixie dream queer (laughs) i'm sitting up there giggling being like "Ah, dental dams right like and everybody's instantly at ease you know yes yes sevens do have an absolute superpower which is a superpower that i think you kind of share with threes so there's definitely like some there's some overlap there yeah um but i yeah, I, I totally see how, um, you know, even if you're getting, even if you're getting a really horrible and painful diagnosis, it's going to change your life. Like having someone there to be like, okay, yes, absolutely feel your feelings. This is scary, but here are the things that you can do, you know, and just, and, and sort of adding that, that hope and that future thinking in the moment. I, I mean, I can imagine that would be invaluable to the person who's like right. experiencing you right. yeah the, the world is not over you have many adventures <laughs> you have many adventures yet to come right mm. so but my advice for sort of the shitty times i guess is that like the world can sometimes be a really shitty horrible nasty place okay <laughs> and it can be really really tempting to sort of just live in that shittiness yep um but I, as a seven, um, my advice to people is to sort of like, if you can derive even an ounce of joy, even an ounce, okay, do it, right? At the end of your life, I promise you, you will not regret having like had the hottest chicken wings you could find or <laughs> buying the ridiculous floral romper you always wanted yes. or dyeing your hair in a natural hair color, like you will not be on your deathbed regretting it. You will be on your deathbed regretting if you don't do it. Okay? Mm, yeah. I'm always like, do the thing. Just do it. Like, people set these arbitrary rules for themselves. Like, I can't do X. Or like, should I do this? Should I not do this? I'm telling you to do it. Like, <laughs> do it. Live the craziest, wildest dreams you can. Because that's the point of being alive. Okay? For me. Is that... To, to experience some kind of joy if you can. Um, and I think also experiencing joy in the midst of people who are trying to, to kill your soul hmm. is the ultimate act of rebellion. Ooh. Oh, God, that's so good. Will you say it again? <laughs> uh, let me see if I can remember what I said. No. Um, I think that experiencing joy when Every system around you is trying to crush your joy is the ultimate act of rebellion. Oh, God, it's so good. I just got the chills. Yes. I love that. So, yeah, that's my advice from a seven. Go do the thing. Whatever it is today that you're like, should I do that? Just be like, yes. Ethan said, well, no. I mean, if you're going to hurt yourself or someone else, don't do it. But for the most part, (laughs) if you want to buy that romper, buy the damn romper. Go worst, have the adventure. Worst case scenario, you look silly and who cares? Like, <laughs> but it, it makes you happy. Yeah, you're happy. It looks great. Whatever. Listen, I wore um, old men's western, like, vintage button-ups and bolo ties for a solid, like, two years. And everybody else thought I looked dumb, but I loved it and I was very happy. And I regret nothing. I was going to say, I promise you, when you're, like, 80, 90 years old... You will not look back and say, I regret it. No. I'm going to hang. I'm going to blow up those pictures and frame them. Yes. Listen. Yes. (laughs) That's right. 
Um, you said one thing, and, and we're almost getting to the end of yeah. this, but I have one more question um, that you you kind of touched on this right at the beginning, and I would just love to have you um, flesh it out a little bit yeah. more for us. You said something about chaos being a good thing. Right. And I think that's very not in keeping with the way that we are taught how to adult, right. um, with the way that, um, I mean, it's definitely capitalism is always trying to keep us in line, you know? Right. Um, so tell me what that means for you. For me, what it means is that there's something magical, I think, about those moments of sort of chaos, Right. Those moments when, like, there's a power outage and you're at work or that there's a moment of um, the unexpected, right? It, mm. it rains, you weren't expecting it, everybody's out at some kind of picnic. There's something, <laughs> yeah, there's something magical about that moment, though. That moment where all the pretenses have dropped for just a second, right? And one of the things, like, People, our society kind of tells us that, like, you should expect riots in those situations. But the reality is, like, during natural disasters or when power goes out, it's not a good thing. But a lot of times people connect with neighbors they've never met before. Right? True. Um, They reach out to systems maybe they never knew existed. Right. Um, I just don't think chaos is something we have to avoid. Um, Pain and suffering, of course, we have to avoid that. But there's something magical about throwing plans out the window. (laughs) And there's something kind of beautiful in those moments where all the pretenses and rules drop for just even a second. I love that. And I I think it's a really... I think it's a really fun, it's a fun way to approach life in, like you said, in a, in a world that is actively trying to steal our joy and trying to steal even our personhood, you know? Yes. And, it, and they are. They are trying to steal <laughs> <Actively>. your joy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so finally, to wrap us up, and you, you kind of already said some things that are amazing affirmations, but I ask everybody to end with an affirmation either for your fellow sevens or for people at large. I think you kind of gave us the people at large one. Maybe shoot us something for your fellow sevens. Um, And this, you know, comes from a place of being someone with a chronic illness and a disability, but sevens, you're worth taking care of. Okay. Mm. Um, Yes. Doctor's visits are boring. Um, (laughs) Therapy is boring. All of that stuff is not exciting, but um, a lot of us self-medicate and a mm. lot of us are killing ourselves over yeah. not being able to express our feelings or not being able to process our feelings. Or, you know, I, I said on Twitter today that sevens are like cats. We'll be under the porch. <laughs> we're going to be under the porch dying before you know we're sick. Mm. And... Don't let yourself get there, okay? Like, take care of yourself. There's all, you have so much adventure left, okay? Mm. And in order for you to have adventures in the long term, you've got to take care of yourself. Yep. Yeah. I, it's just, there's no other way around it. And you know what? Therapy, if you need it, use it. We get depression. We deal with substance abuse. Yes, we're happy and magical and beautiful, but it doesn't mean we're not human. Okay. Right, right. And all of those things are real, and we just we need to take care of ourselves. It's really good. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom, Ethan. If <laughs> people want to find you on the internet, remind us where. Okay, uh, at Crazy Quantum. At Crazy Quantum on Twitter. Yes. Um, follow much them. You can find me, yeah. Okay, follow them, holler at them. Yes. Um, I'm sure that they would love to talk seven shit with you oh, yeah. all day. I may have just opened a can of worms for you, Ethan. You're welcome. Listen, <laughs> listen, we're, the, we're like the trash pandas of the Enneagram. It's great. It's great. <laughs> God, I love a good trash panda. Yes. <laughs> Play well with garbage Oprahs. Yes. Um, thank you so much for being here today, Ethan. You're of the course. best. 
Well, if my cat has finished assaulting the cat litter, I'll go ahead and tell you that, folks, we have arrived at the final episode of the Millennia Graham Season 1. I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe y'all have stuck with this. Honestly, never done a podcast before, never put my voice to recording other than on cassette tape recording my homeschooled essays when I was a tiny child. Yeah, listen, we, we don't need to get into it right now, but... We have finished this series and I'm really excited to see what's next. If you would like to keep up with a little bit more insider perspective, Millenniagram After Dark, if you will, please find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Millenniagram. We got some cool perks. I'm going to be better about them because, hey, I'm unemployed now. <laughs> it's great. Um... Thank you so much for being here and joining us. I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your pitches. I want to hear your thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter at Hannah Posh. Find our guest today, Ethan, at Crazy Quantum on Twitter. I'm at Hannah Posh on all the socials. I want to meet you. I want to talk. Thanks for coming. Until next time, integration, bitches, or die.